The Rights to Ricky Sanchez podcast is proudly, proudly brought to you by L.L. Pavorsky Jewelers, where Rights to Ricky Sanchez listeners go and get engaged and people jinx the game on Twitter. Big Barker Therapeutic Dog Beds. Get yours at bigbarker.com slash Ricky. Got a process pup email today from Mexico. So we'll be placing that on the website. Cornblow and Cornblow, the official law firm of the process. The Colony Meadery, the official gluten-free booze made from honey of the process. And Kinetic Skateboard Shop. Get 9.1% off your first order with promo code Dave Silver. On today's show, the Pistons, now without Stan Van Gundy, are free to beat the Sixers. And they did just that. Elton Brand has the most coincidental nickname of all time. Round the league with Ish Smith to talk about the fact that every game is 140 to 138 now, and some Twitter questions from you. Uh, quick thing, the uh, Wrights Ricky Sanchez Bark, no, not the Wrights Ricky Sanchez Bark in the Park, the Providence Animal Center Bark in the Park is Saturday. The Wrights Ricky Sanchez team has raised $11,599. We would love to hit $15,000. Please go to this post on WrightsRickySanchez.com and donate. Without any further ado, here is Run the Jewels. We are the murderers there. There with the jail and we murdered the murderers there. Then with the hell and discovered the devil delivered some hurt and despair. Used to have powder to push. Now I smoke powder to push. Holy, I'm burning the bush. Now I give a fuck about none of this shit. Two runner over and out of this bitch. Step into the spotlight. Welcome to the Rights to Ricky Sanchez podcast. I'm Spike Eskin, along with a guy who definitely had Blake Griffin going for a 50-piece tonight. That is Mike Levin. Hi, Mike. What up, man? I did have Blake Griffin on my fantasy team, which you're not oh, involved boy. with nope. at all. Nope. Uh, I'll just, I'm going to get right into it. Right okay. into it. Because to me, it was yep. a great game. That was a great game. I'm not even talking in like a moral victory way because we're past that. But I just well, thought we're never really past that. No, I think I think that yeah. we're past that. I think this is okay. we are past the moral victory era, unless like both Embiid and Simmons are out and Foles plays well. That's a moral victory. But I just thought it was a good game. It was well played from both ends. Uh, it wasn't it, it wasn't like an embarrassment. Uh, Blake's a good player when he when he decides to take good shots, and he did tonight. And uh, without Simmons and without Wilson Chandler, Sixers don't really have anybody to go against him. It was a lot of Dario. And uh, when you have when you're missing three, I would say three of your five best defenders in uh, Simmons, Chandler, and Zaire, um, you're just gonna Whoa. struggle. <laughs> Wait a minute. I th- you yeah, count- I Zaire Smith has not even played a minute. So in what? the NBA, we, no, he's not one of the five. He's 19 years old. He's not one of the five best pl- defenders on the team. I There's would no say way. that he is. Why? No. Simmons was one of the best defenders on the team last year. He was 21 and and was far more advanced than For sure. Zaire's I'm not saying Zaire's is good. Yeah. But I'm just saying, you know, I'd rather have Zaire covering someone than Dario. And you have to play okay, sure. Dario, uh, and, yeah. Dario okay. and JJ in, like, you need to stop possessions. And, like, you're going to struggle. And, uh... There were a lot of good things in that game, a lot of frustrating ones. Um, I'm just not mad. Like, they're a game on the road against a playoff team when the guy goes off and it scores 50. Like, it's it's a regular season. Guys, 
It's the regular season. The Sixers are going to be in the playoffs. Well, Sixers okay. are probably going to host a playoff series. What are we and, doing here, though? Well, people are what really are mad doing? online. People are really but, mad but that, online but, about yeah, this. But, and it's like, guys, but, this is a fine. You lost the game people, by one. They could have had JJ hit that uh, technical foul shot. They win. And it's over. And then you're, you're not worried about it. And but, it's but, just but like, I, it's I, fine. I, I'm not Everything's mad. Fine. I'm not I'm not mad. I, I hardly even get mad after losses anymore anyway. But, I do get mad after losses still. This one but, was just like, it was just, it wasn't, it didn't drive me crazy. There was just like a bunch of good plays on both ends and sometimes you don't win. But that's, that's how, but now that people care whether they win or lose, they're going to be mad when they lose. That That's what online is for. Like I, and I'm, I'm trust me, I don't like it any more than you do, but like the, 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 uh, the sort of like uh, emotional hedge of they're going to win some, they're going to lose some. Like we're going to talk about the basketball game and why they lost, and we didn't want them to. Of lose. course, yeah, yeah. But so I, I, I don't think I don't think there's like, you know, that's why I get frustrated with like the idea of football sometimes because it's a 16 game season, and like anything can happen in 16 games. Like just literally anything. The Browns could be six and zero right now very easily, and I know because I bet on them, and they should be six and zero. But the Sixers, it's like, there's this game could have gone any way. 400 times and i'm just not going to get mad when like they had two Who's wide open you to get mad? a lot of people online <laughs> but, but people that's online. That, that's the way everybody is yeah well, i'm, I'm All reacting time. to that okay so i they you know they had two open looks to end the game and bead missed a wide open three dardo missed a wide open three and you know blake stiff-armed covington on the drive at the end we can talk about like you know we can talk about did false play enough minutes? Should Amir have been in on those kinds of possessions? Of course. There's, there's. I'm not gonna say like podcast over after a minute and a half, but I just, it's game five, no, four, without their second best player and most versatile defender, and the guy that gored them for 50 points would have been covered by that guy. So I mean, it's just like, I, I don't. It's not. I don't think you have to be moral victory guy. To be like, all right, you know, they're going to be in the playoffs. It's fine. You can be frustrated by certain things. You can question some of Brett's stuff. But, like, it's just the idea that people are, you know, maybe maybe you're right. Maybe it is just this is online and people just do this. But, like, man, I think you just got to be able to have some measured takes. Like, you just got we, – we can do it as a society. as a, On a human level, we can have measured takes. And my plan for the rest of this podcast is to just like, give a, a blanket of lukewarm takes. Like – Spray some eucalyptus and some lavender because it's just going to be some soothing, easygoing, jazzy takes. Because, like, it's fine. Things are Who good. Who expected it to be anything but that? I feel like today's your first night on Twitter or something. Like, no, pe- people God. are just, like, especially mad about this. And I was like, I just, you know, I've gotten mad at loss before. I was very frustrated by that Boston game and, of course, in the playoffs last season. Uh, but this this just wasn't – I'm some games – the ball, like they had, Detroit had like forty-five rim ins in like the first three quarters of the game, and it's just like sometimes these are happen. And so, I don't know. You seem more mad. I'm not mad. I'm not. I, I just like I don't know who you're arguing with. That that like that's the like I, I don't know. We, we never the podcast has never been like like overreact over a regular season game. So, so I don't know anyone that is like tuning into this expecting uh anything but what you were saying that's that's i'm not i'm not mad i just like it it seems like a, a waste of uh time that's all i i like i i don't know that anyone ever tunes like i 
have we overreacted to a loss in the regular season in the six years of the podcast to a regular uh, season game? Well, I don't know. If we're saying we're overreacting, then we wouldn't be overreacting. We would measure it. I think we've reacted how we've felt like we should react to things. Uh, there's been games that I've gotten more frustrated by and like, you know, despair at like the the roster construction and some of like the lack of movement and stuff and specifically like Embiid's turnovers, which he had only one tonight. And I think it was like in fourth quarter or overtime. Uh, there's plenty of times. I just don't think this is one of those games that you can even, at least for me, I watched this and I, I was encouraged by a lot of stuff. I would like them to win and they could have easily won, had a couple things, one small thing gone their way. And uh, I feel, I just feel good. I feel good about the team going forward. And when you don't have to play JJ and Dario 37 minutes each in like a lot of, with a lot of defense uh, first, and you need like intentions. I think they're just they're going to be good and they're fine. I'm not I'm not arguing with you in the sense that like I I'm t- I'm not painting you into the corner of you you should be. <laughs> you just saying, said I was. Well, you sounded you like you were. You sounded like mad. you're like why wouldn't why of course we No, just, I I just I'm I'm not mad at the loss. I'm just I'm I like I we're, we're we've spent ten minutes arguing with people that 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 like I I don't even. I, I, I truly, it sounds like it was your first night on Twitter in like, like months or something. No, I can every, react every to time There's the people Sixers... talking about like the Sixers, Sixers Twitter and people reacting to the loss and people in my But that's what DM. they do every time. I'm... Every time they lose, it's Brett's rotations uh, as if you can rotate in players that don't exist. It is uh, play calling as if this is like fucking football or something, as if like you can just, or as if the other team isn't playing. Um it's why was this guy in rather than that guy? It's uh, like it's it's always the same thing when they lose a game. I just I guess I'm I'm numb to it. I I like this doesn't seem any different than any other game. The expectations for the team are higher now, so people are going to be more upset when they lose. That's sort of how it works. But I like I didn't plan on reacting to it any differently. So I just I don't know. Like the the, the constant reassurance that everything is great is like uh, sort of like bewildering and unnecessary to me well, it would if be they like, lost by like 30 if, if they lost by like 30 then i then i'd be like all right these things happen i'm just you know in this specific game i think that it's not all right yeah i mean whatever we don't have to get i'm not getting worked up over a single game and you're saying we shouldn't get worked over a single game so we agree it seems yes that, that's that's why i don't know who we're talking to so that that's fine it's it's like me opening up the podcast every like I don't open up the podcast every time and go you know what we're way worse than the Celtics <laughs> like like I just I I don't know that we need the the context of everything is all right <laughs> all right man so, let's talk about the game I, that's I, all I want to do I just want to talk about the game that's it let's talk about the game what well, do you want to talk, talk about, about the game, game I don't know go ahead you talk about the game okay uh, I think Fultz played yeah. really well it was the, it was the uh, it was the best I've seen him play his career he looked really comfortable i thought in the uh magic game i th- that was the magic yeah i think he looked more comfortable in the magic game obviously missed more shots and didn't play i'm not saying he's played a perfect game but just the way his like he looked on the court he seemed engaged on both ends still makes mistakes on the defensive ends for sure um but i like the way he was moving i think a lot of times in the prior to these last two games he would be driving, and it sort of seemed like he knew what he was going to do ahead of time. Like, I'm just going to glide forward, and, well, you know, I, he doesn't have the athleticism to just cram on people. 
So he's kind of just, I'm going to glide forward and, and ease in and try to hit something off the glass or whatever. And that's, I think, where he got blocked a lot. And I think over the last two games, he's sort of uh, had his been more balanced, I guess it's looked. Just the way he's like carrying himself with the ball in his hands and like using hesitation, using change of pace and like shiftiness. Uh, and I think he didn't, he only had one assist tonight, but I think in terms of like finding people, I think he did a better job uh, in this game, in the Magic game. And the three was nice, it was off the catch. Uh, yeah, and in, in, I would say inspiring stuff, especially uh, after the first two games, which both of us were not super jazzed about. Uh, I thought he looked okay. Um, the uh, I I thought I think he looks like he looked did not look quite as scared as he did in the first couple of games. Um, he looked less tentative. Um, uh, he does like seem to dribble into the lane without much of a plan and just sort of stops and looks back out. Um, he picks up his dribble too quickly, uh, which is, I think, one of the ways his apprehension is uh, sort of exhibiting himself it, itself because I, it doesn't seem like he thinks too many plays ahead. Um, I am overall actually fine with them not putting him in like the crunch time situation. I, I, I do think on a, on a, a lot of levels that uh, although I did complain about them ripping him out in the second half of the Boston game, I, I think like uh, the coaching staff has to have a better idea of what is good for him right now and what isn't in terms of like pressure. Um, because he certainly, like, certainly a lot of what he dealt with, not certainly, I'm guessing a lot of what he dealt with was if not pressure induced became, uh, pressure induced, you know, a lot of the, um, the, the apprehension to shoot the, um, just being apprehensive in everything he does, like the assuredness that you see when he was in college that does not exist very much in the pro game. So um, we'll get to it, but like, I, I s- sort of understand Brett's, um, uh, reliance on TJ when it counts. And I like, I don't think they want it to be that way forever, but, um, I think they probably are not in sink or swim territory with him. You know, they're, they're trying to do both. They're trying to get him minutes and maybe avoid, um, times that that could be um, counter counterproductive to what their their goal is. So yeah, I was fine with that. I would say the, that. The, um, oh, sorry. The, the the three looked okay to me. Um, it like it still looks a little shot putty, and you know, like he he seems to like bring it up from like his stomach almost and pushes it. Um, like I'm I'm not shot doctor or anything, but I. I've watched enough guys play basketball to know like when something looks normal to me. Uh, but you know, it, he shot it and it went in and, uh, he didn't hesitate too much on it. So I'll take it, I guess. I, I guess I, I don't really understand the, it seems like the, the sort of rigidity with which the coaching staff and I guess Brett specifically uses faults. It's like, all right, we're going to start him in the first half and he's going to play, you know, I would say half or more of the first half, and then he's like not going to play much of the second half, and that seems unless the game's out of reach, right? L- it, like that, that it, seems kind of yeah. just like why, 
Why is that? Tonight it seemed like, especially in the fourth quarter in overtime, he was like, as long as Ish Smith is in there, we're going to have TJ in there. And not knowing that it was going to go to overtime, I'm sure had he known, hey, we're getting an extra five minutes out of this, then he would have worked Fultz in more. But in the thick of it, he's just like, I'm going to go TJ because TJ can cover Ish. And he didn't do a great job covering Ish. Ish is just very fast, and especially now that he's a better jump shooter, he's hard to cover. Uh, Fultz is just not quite as good as with those incredibly fast, smaller guards uh, at this point in his career. So uh, I would have liked to get Fultz more minutes at the end, for sure. I mean, he had 13 points on 6 of 9 shooting. He looked really comfortable to me. Uh, a couple of those, that drive-in little hook over over uh, Drummond was really nice. Um, he just seemed like he just seemed good to me, and I, I, I thought the, the jumper looked pretty solid, and uh, I agree with uh, Ben Dietrich tweeting about like that that mid range jumper the that he pulls up at at the nail is is like nice and it hopefully will continue to get him like work him out of his funk but that's not like the most effective shot we want him to continue taking right, um, right. unless it's a once once he's good enough to go you know if if they go behind the screen on a pick and roll he can pull up once Embiid is rolling and he can find him if they give him that middle and he just takes it and it's automatic like Chris Paul. But like he's got a, I would, you know, that that should work himself into being better at the drive and at if they go behind the screen pulling up from three. I I think they're they're now that we've seen uh, four games of it, their their plan and their reasoning is they want to keep him out of high pressure situations in the second half, whether that is for him or for the team. Yeah, that's the that that is seems like quite clearly what they're doing and. I think they would just rather, my guess is they would rather do less and have it feel good than take the chance of moving too quickly and have it go backwards. Yeah. Because if you're Brett and you don't know really why this why this happened in the first place, mm-hmm. but you know why it kept happening, then I think they're just trying to like, they'd rather take, like, the, win. take, the, take the six of nine and just fucking go home and and build on that for another day and just take these baby steps forward he mm-hmm. just does not seem like the kind of guy that they feel confident going win or lose man you know we'll be good because he might not believe that just yet so um but and and it's funny you mentioned guarding Ish smith so you know one of the things that people talk about a lot with faults is how he's like his defense and just at his age, he might have physical tools to be a good defender, but it's going to take him a while to actually be a good defender. And then you talk about a, his body type, and I, I compare him to Drew Holiday always had, first of all, problems guarding smaller players because he's sort of rangy and long like, like Fultz is. Nate Robinson. A better athlete. What's that? Nate Robinson. Doug, Doug Collins yeah. still protecting him from Nate Robinson. Yeah, Nate Robinson and J.J. Barea. Um, and, and Drew was was probably more uh at least looked like he was in better shape um a, maybe a, a better athlete than than Fultz was but uh than Fultz is but it took Drew like four or five years in the league he, like he had moments like remember the the Kyrie. when he was guarding Derrick Rose too and he just oh yeah Kyrie and he mm-hmm. just hassled him yeah um but it took he had moments but it took him for sure probably five years to get good so sure. we're we're ways away from that I think 
yeah. um, actual good. I, I would um, I would have liked a couple a couple minutes in the fourth. Again, I think you know it's, you don't you don't if you're Brett you're not like I know that I'm gonna play TJ for 15 straight minutes here, but it would have been nice to be like all right we're gonna get TJ out for two three minutes just to give him a a little breather to think about it because they missed a couple bunnies at the end like JJ missed a layup TJ missed a layup. It would have been nice. To TJ just like, missed an eight footer. Yeah, too. yeah. yeah. Uh, but he, I don't think uh, TJ played poorly. He played like pretty no. good. Um, it's just a and matter he's sure of, of himself. Yeah, for and sure. he's yeah. Uh, the, would like a little bit. There's not too much to say. And so Joel Embiid after this game is averaging twenty eight point two points, ten point seven rebounds, two blocks, and only two point three turnovers a game. Yeah, uh, the turnovers, especially after the first two games, have been way down and way cleaned up, and that's something yeah. that I'm really happy to see. Man, and he just fucking owns, like, Drummond. I mean, geez. <laughs> like, it's it's almost kind of like he's definitely in Drummond's head. Like, he definitely got in Drummond's head. He, he won that war, it seems like. Getting him to foul out with a second technical was uh, was awesome. And what did Drummond shoot? Like, 5 of 18? or 6 of 20. Or, 6 of 20, there you yeah. go. Yeah, it was – there were a couple moves early that – that Drummond got him on, like just using his body inside, because Drummond is wider than Embiid, so he can mm-hmm. he can like use that a little bit, and then Drummond's enormous. Yeah, and then the rest of the game, Embiid just like had him, and it was very impressive. And it, was, and it was impressive. I mean, Embiid's just so good. He's so good. He's so good. And I just I come to I've always said that I'm you know I won't take him for granted because of the two years that we missed. And then the you know only thirty one games of uh, of of, season, of uh, his third season, but like you start you start to a little bit you, you do yeah. start to be like yeah he's here and he's good and it's fine and even when he goes down I'm still like most of the time most of the time when he goes down I'm like oh, he's fine, but man he's so good and it's just worth I I've tonight on I would say five or six different occasions I started t- typing a Joel and B tweet and it's like I just can't like. I can't encompass how much I appreciate him and how great he is on both ends. We're just so lucky to have him. I just feel so lucky all the time that Joel Embiid is a sixer and and he's as good and healthy as he is. Played 39 minutes tonight. 39. And it it does seem as if he has certainly taken a step this year. We'll yeah. see what that ends up being. And as I think as the team becomes more cohesive, it will make him look even better. Definitely. Uh, but he's even improved, like, you know, he's played some average teams. But Andre Drummond is certainly, you know, to your point, he is a massive uh, guy. Um, you know, like, he's not—that is not a—Andre um, Drummond is not like a—what's uh, the word? Like, he's not like a doormat or anything. No, it's no, not no. like playing against the Bulls or something like that. So it was pretty pretty amazing. Yeah, I would we'll say— talk about, One second, oh, sorry. Ahead. I would say that— yeah. uh, Two more things about Embiid. His passing tonight was really good. There was one pass that he had to Covington underneath the basket. Blake ended up blocking Cove on it, but it was a really nice interior pass. And I think he's just being more. He's just he's going to keep getting better at like reading the defense when they're coming over to double him, or when they're just hedging, or when they're just you know fake like moving around to to fuck with them. But he's getting better at at sort of seeing the court all at once and and not just you know, driving into three guys and just trying to will it up because he, I mean, he is strong enough to do that sometimes, but he's, he's ran into some trouble obviously with Horford most famously. Um, 
but I really, I really am impressed by the, by the passing. One thing that I would like more of from Brett, and this is something that uh, I hate to say his name, but Kevin O'Connor said in a recent Ringer article is that you watch many other guys in the league post up, whether it's AD or Horford or a couple other guys I think he used, and you see how much off-ball movement there is of screening and chaos just to sort of keep the defense uh, on their toes and unable to, if they do double down, then somebody's going to be open because there's just a mad scramble as they're trying to switch and cover all those guys at once. And at least the first couple games of the season, they just haven't been moving when Embiid gets the ball in the post. It's just been a lot of just standing there watching Embiid and, you know, Dario standing at the four point line about ready to stand in, but nobody's setting screens for each other. Nobody's really moving. It's just like, Hey, go for it. We're going to wait for you to do this. And I, I would like more movement because that's the, some of the problems they've ran into before is when MB just sort of puts his head down and tries to uh, go one-on-one on a guy. He can he can do it sometimes, but it having more options to find cutters or screens to get shooters more open, I think would behoove everybody. Well, yeah, and it involves guys that <clears throat> have not historically been, not let's take out historically, so far this year, uh, ben has been better off the ball, but is not like super active off the ball. Right. Uh, Fultz has done a lot of standing there. Mm-hmm. And if you're going to play him on with both of those guys, obviously no Ben tonight, but play him with both of those guys, um, that it's from the coaching, but it's also from everybody not to just stand there and, and hope that he scores, you know, or hope that he draws a double and, and throws it to you where you already are. Yeah. So. There's, there's one Embiid play that I just want to, and you can go to the next thing, but there was one where he was driving in. A lot of times last season, we would get frustrated by when he drove in, like from the three point line. Remember? Because it's like, mm-hmm. that's just too yeah. many, that's too many dribbles for a big guy to make. Guys can get over and, and, uh, and he can get out of control, all that stuff. And he had one tonight where he drove, I think it was, he drove past, maybe Drummond was had like fallen down or something like that. He drove past somebody and then Blake stood up to try to take the charge. And he like sort of half Euro stepped past him and did like a full speed lefty layup off the glass. And for him to have enough touch to go full speed past somebody and not just bang the ball off the backboard and barely even touch rim for it to be soft enough to like just ease in there. It's just so impressive how the agility and dexterity he has for being as big of a guy he is, unbelievable. Well, every time he every time a Euro steps, I think about it. Like every time, like he, he's definitely the biggest guy I've ever seen consi- have a Euro step in his repertoire. Yeah. like that. Yeah. Uh, we will talk about one guy who has been disappointing so far this season, which uh, we're not allowed to talk about him being disappointing, but we will after we talk about our sponsor, the Colony Meadery. Holy smokes, Mike! What is mead? It is, what, like a gluten-free booze? Yes. What's it made from? Honey. Honey. That is correct. And when Mike says gluten-free, he means gluten-free. So now that you know what meat is, it's been around forever, now you know the Colony Meadery stepped in there and they, they perfected it. They perfected mead. And now mead is the official alcoholic beverage without gluten of the process and the rights to Ricky Sanchez podcast. On Saturday, after the bark in the park, the Colony Meadery is going to do a little after party at the Sterling Pig right there, right by uh, Rose Tree Park. So come on over, drink some mead starting at uh, 1.30 after the race. 
you can get this colony meadery mead just about everywhere. You can get it on their website and look at all the flavors. You're like, well, what does mead taste like? Well, it's sort of got like a cider vibe, but all different flavors from like a, a, an iced tea one to a lemonade one to a, why do I always forget the name of that stupid drink that comes in the metal cup? Moscow Mule. A Moscow Mule favored one, like the ginger one. There's all different flavors for you to try. They have fun cans. I mean, some flavors just, are discontinued. Yep, some flavors will never be never be released again. Um, what I want you to do is go to colonymeadery.com, pick out a couple, give them a try. Just use code Ricky for five dollars off the birch mead. Tastes like birch beer. All different flavors. Um, you could also go up to the Meadery Tap Room in Allentown, get a tour, do some tastings, or if you don't want to buy it from the website, any Wegmans in Eastern PA, uh, Trolley Car Station has it, the Foodery has it, just everywhere, Colony Meadery. Um, once again, colonymeadery.com, use code Ricky for $5 off, must be 21 to drink, please get buzzed responsibly. Uh it's only four games, but Dario has uh, has not been the best Dario for the four games. He's been pretty bad. He has, he's been, he's looked. Uh, here here are my my notes. He has looked out of sorts pretty much on offense. Like he doesn't know where his place is. Um, he and and look the 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 faults thing affects everything. So I'm not saying that it's impossible that it's not that. The shot has been has not gone in and also has looked flat to me. China um, and. Def- at China, and uh, defensively, he has not been real good. Not that he was ever real good, but like something just doesn't look right with Dario. I can't tell what it is, but something doesn't look right. Yeah, I mean, Blake just took him in every time he saw him, and he yep. was just like, "Get everybody, get the fuck out of my way! I'm taking him in." And and had obviously mostly resounding success against Dario. Uh, one really nice poke at a crucial moment to, to get a steal. Um, so it's not like he was given up or not working. And Brett clearly has enough faith in him to not be like, all right, we're going to switch Muscala in there for a little bit, or <laughs> there's just nobody else to put yeah. in. Uh, Shamit, <laughs> maybe not against Blake. You'd move, you'd move. I mean, they moved Embiid to, to uh, Blake for a while. Uh, and I think he did well, a good enough job, but uh, in a couple of nice I heard blocks. from, I heard from Tony, Tony to Tony today. Um, complaining about Brett's rotations. Sure. And I'm like, I'm like, who do you want him to put in? (laughs) Half the players can't shoot. Like they only have, uh, with Ben out, like their only two ball handlers are Fultz and TJ. I I would say, I would say Shamit can in a pinch handle it. Yeah. And maybe one day, but like, he's not, He's not there now. Mm-hmm. He doesn't seem there now. But they so, do. They do a lot of offense running through the high post anyway, whether it's Dario or Embiid, mm-hmm. like at the top, and just like having you know JJ run around stuff. JJ also played a really nice game. Uh, yeah, a couple uh, hand like handling moments and finding guys. Uh, but yeah, Dario, I I agree out of sorts for sure. The jumper, everybody's talking about how flat it looks for sure. Um, he hasn't clumpy flumped much. No, no, much at all, and. I don't know. It it seems it seems so easy for this to be uh, distinguishable and identifiable, but like when Dario steps into a three, he makes it. 
and there's so many times where he's like flat-footed and it's and he's short and the shot is flat like i i don't know it seemed like last year he was stepping into some more and uh being more of a weapon off the dribble i haven't seen him really like attack any closeouts even i don't know i uh i don't know give him a game if if ben is back tomorrow like let him sit just let him sit for a game give give him like a you know a sore hamstring or something yeah i would I would love a Dario game, like an old school 31 game Embiid season, last 20 games of the year, sure. try to get the rookie of the year Dario game, mm-hmm. one of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, there was one think- play, there's one Dario play that he had, which I liked, and this is the kind of thing that I like it when Dario and Ben do this. Dario had Langston Galloway on a switch inside, and he just like had position on him and like wouldn't give it up. And I think it was either Falter TJ that didn't see him or wasn't getting it to him. And Dario was like, I'm not leaving. I'm going to keep reposting and have position on him. And then they got the ball to Embiid and Embiid saw it and got it into Dario for an easy finish and one. And it's like those kinds of things you need to, because the Sixers lineup is usually supersized, they, just the way the NBA goes, the Sixers usually have some height advantage somewhere that somebody should, every couple possessions, just be trying to have a mouse in the house inside and just go for it. So I, li- I like when they can just get easy buckets like that. Yeah. Um, do you want to? So the final play, uh, well, the, the final final play, the the Blake bucket. Um, Covington's caught in a pretty bad spot right there. You, you really can't foul. That's a horrible foul if you don't clobber him. Mm-hmm. Um, he did get sort of punched in the face <laughs> yeah, by Blake. Kind of a stiff arm when there. it happened. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it. But the the breakdown before Covington is the bigger problem sort of leaving Covington in space with yep. Blake Griffin is, is not who Blake Griffin used to be, mm-hmm. but Blake Griffin is still good. And, and he really hit his, hit, hit his angles tonight, like finding angles yep. off the glass. Like he was getting to his spots and, and just finding them. It's, it's not a great spot for Covington to be in as, as uh, Blake is coming at him with his dribble in with, it, it seemed like it was like we were playing the Rockets or something. It was the most wide open court, I think I've ever seen. Yeah. After Blake uh, got by, there. well, it was, a nice, so, it was a nice move for Blake to like sort of fake the handoff, sort of froze Amir, and Bead went to the other guy. I think it might have been Reggie Bullock, and just Amir stood there and watched as Covington went right by him. I mean, as Blake went right by him, Covington. I agree in the sense that like you can't give up an easy bucket there. You can't just like it's not like he should stand there and do nothing. I think he went up. To me, it looked the play looked clean on Covington's end. He went he went up two hands pretty straight, and Blake just kind of ran into him and also like stiff armed him in the face. And so I don't know what you do about that. Maybe you just say, if you're Covington, I'm just gonna take a huge foul and not not let yeah. him even get a shot off. I could see that rationale. Um, but I think ultimately he's just like weak side help, and Blake in space is still a weapon. So I, I you know tough play. For anybody, yeah, uh, and then the yeah, some people. So there's 1.8 left, and they get a, a bad shot, obviously with uh, with Embiid. Mm-hmm. Just with was Blake in his face? I think. I, I think it was Pachulia, actually. Oh, you you might be right. You might be right. Um, somebody was like, "That's the best play he can draw up." And I guess all I would like to say is like, I don't think Brett drew it up for a contested Embiid, a flat-footed contested. And bead three. Yeah. Um, one of the things that 
nobody ever, to your point very early in this podcast, one of the things that nobody ever really wants to acknowledge is that there's another team on the court trying to prevent you from doing what you want to do. <laughs> sure. <laughs> you know, uh, I don't know. It, it's impossible for us to know what the first, second, and third options on the play were, what prevented them from doing what they're doing. It is not fair to say Brett was pretty good in out-of-timeout plays last year, and um, it's not easy to draw up a great play with 1.8. Seconds well, I would, I would, I could, I would go back to the end of regulation and say yep. they got they got that Embiid look. The pass was yep. low to Embiid, and so that's a tough a tough shot to him. They go, they went two for one. He I think was off the back rim, and then the next the last play was to get the uh, Dario three it was gorgeous. There was movement. Like I I've just watched so much Sixers basketball since I was like five years old and seen everybody get out of the way isolation. Whether it's like. Dana Barros or Stackhouse or Iverson or Eric Snow or Lou Williams or Andre Miller. And it was just nothing. And the plays at the end of regulation, less so with 1.8 seconds left because there's 1.8 seconds left. Uh, there's actual movement and stuff happening on the court to get a guy an open look. And that same thing happened in the uh, Orlando game to get that on the TJ or the Joel JJ uh, handoff that got the JJ shot. Like there's looks there and I've seen, sometimes you don't hit them, but like it is still remains even in Brett's fifth year here, fifth for Brett, sixth, fifth. It remains uh, as many as us. Sure. This would be our, his sixth year. Yeah. It remains very refreshing to get actual looks. And I don't know, maybe it's just, maybe there's just a, there's just a legion of people that are always just ready to fire the coach. Maybe that's just who they are. And they're always going to say that. And there's nothing that anyone can do to convince them. But like, I think Brett does a great job of drawing up out of timeout plays and end of quarter plays and end of end of game plays. Like those are good looks. If any of those shots goes in, Brett is a hero and it's great. All of Brad Stevens' out of timeouts plays only work if guys get shots on them and they go in. So I don't know. Right. It, uh, to me, it looked good. I think you can question not playing faults. I think you can question. Oh, Amir covering the inbounds is six seconds too much time to keep Amir in there. I would say probably, but again. Who's he coming in for? I think it was was JJ not in at the end, or I think Dario was in. Like he's not coming in for a great defender. Like right, somebody's somebody's exploitable on that on that play, uh, and Blake made a, a nice play to fake him out, and then again stiff arm Covington. But you know, the, and then the JJ uh, took a terrible shot at one point, and then fouled Reggie Jackson because he thought he had a flat foul to give. That's pretty inexplicable. Um, but you know, what do you fucking do? You, people make players make mistakes. They made mistakes, and they're and the roster is obviously shorthanded, uh, more than just Wilson Chandler, and and there being not a ton of uh, bench wings to defend guys, but Simmons being out, being your second best player. So I, I just, it's just so easy to blame the coach all the time. It's so easy to blame the coach all the time, and there's things you can take issue with for sure. But there's just got to be a middle ground between. Oh, I would have liked to see this or this, but he also did a good job here, and he also did a good job here, and this I liked, or wish this went in, or whatever. Like, there's just got to be a middle ground. There's got to be. We 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 can be smart enough as a group of people. We waited through the process. We're logical about that. Like, can't we just be like, this is yeah, mistake here. Wish this happened, but ultimately, well coached game, not on him. At the worst, Brett is fine, coach. Yeah, like at the at very the worst, worst. At the worst, he's fine. 
So let's not definitely not at the position. We're not at the spot where you can. That doesn't mean you can't criticize decisions and all that kind of stuff. But he, you know, <laughs> we had one guy on the radio show last week saying that Fultz uh, and Simmons wouldn't shoot because of the coach. <laughs> I was like, like that's, that's pretty solid. That's a leap. That's a leap. Uh, uh, so. You, can we move on from the game, or did you have anything else? Well, I, I was. Uh, can we talk about JJ a little bit? Oh yeah, yeah. Interesting that he started Shamit, and yeah. and that might Over JJ right, and that made me think that JJ maybe like just likes coming off the bench at this point, or he's like, look, if you're going to keep me off the bench for the foreseeable future, at least let just let me keep doing that. Let me just like well, work I, my mind. I also it. think without JJ on the bench, there's like nobody on the bench that can score. Right now, I mean, at least that is somebody that you're bringing off the bench that can get you some buckets. So maybe, maybe that it was a weird sort of everyone just assumed that when Ben wasn't starting, JJ would start, mm-hmm. and then it was like, well, maybe it'll be TJ. You're like, what? That doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, and then it ended up being Shamit. Yeah, I don't. That is strange, but I think it maybe is a and and to your point, maybe. JJ, in terms of rhythm and preparation, he seems like a guy right. that is probably uh, obsessed with his routine, right. and and his routine is a certain way now. So yeah, that's what it felt like to me more of a JJ routine thing rather than yeah. like a we need a guy off the bench that can get that can get buckets. I think because Brett doesn't do a classic like okay, all the starters are coming out and here's the bench lineup. You know, He'll, especially when they're shorthanded, he's going to rotate guys in. It seemed like JJ was nine of twenty-one for thirty points, six of fifteen from deep, which is pretty good. Not excellent. He wasn't like on fire. Seemed like he was better. It seemed like he was better. Absolutely, I was gonna say that. he seemed like he was better. Uh, he was cold in the. I forget what game JJ was very cold in. Was it the Celtics game? The um, opener. Yeah. But so far through four games, like it seems like JJ has even less air to shoot than last year, mm-hmm. and. It seems like he's just automatic. There's a couple shots that he's just absolutely automatic from. And ridiculous four-point play to what should have won them the game. Uh, he's just really good. And I, I, I think, I wonder if when he was playing on the Clippers, he just didn't, they didn't want him to do anything more than, like, be the guy that shot. Like, he, he didn't run many pick and rolls because Chris was doing it. He didn't have an opportunity to do much. He's, he's doing more here. This season and last season, and I'm just I'm just impressed by his ability to, you know, he had a, we were down six in the overtime at one point, and he sort of scooted by Reggie Jackson and like got the bump and the foul on a layup, and I'm just impressed by it. I think he's just played a really solid game, 36 and six, and no turnovers. Uh, he's all he's getting old there, and <laughs> Bede called him old as shit. He's not wrong. Like for him to look as good as he is, and he's not he's not taking wide open threes. He's like working for every single thing and i just like i i know he's got limitations on defense and in a in a playoff series you're going to have to use him creatively because there are teams that are going to just go right at him every time on on switches or pick and rolls or whatever but man he's really good and he makes other guys better just by being on the court and opens things up for them it's like he's been in a cage his whole career and he finally got let out here in philadelphia no longer caged. Mm. Tough. <laughs> Tough stuff. Um, we didn't talk about Cove. Eddie's not, 
Uh, or did we? Hey, pretty good game. Uh, good defense. Uh, started the, uh, the, the was the first quarter he played. He had a couple shots in. It was a good Covington game, I thought, except for the very end. Yeah, three. A uh, cu- couple of great drives to the rim. Yes, that's what I want to talk finishes. about. Yeah. Great drives to the rim. Attacking, moving without the ball more than he has last year. Little scoop dribble, scoop off the dribble in overtime. I he didn't do a good job on Griffin. Nobody did. Embiid did. But I think Blake just decided he was going to be stronger than everybody. And Cove is actually better at the like sort of little guards that he can swarm with length. And he just couldn't handle Blake's strength and will. Uh so not the best Covington defensive game, but you know, six eleven from the field, sixteen points. I absolutely was impressed by the handle. Like we talked about it last pod, I think. But it wasn't. It's not always going to be successful. But you can tell that he worked over the offseason at getting better at his handle, at attacking closeouts, at finding guys with assists. Like he's absolutely improving his game, and I think that'll pay off, especially going into playoffs. When you know you remember last season in the playoffs, like he absolutely looked like he could not do a single thing when guys went at him and and dared him to make a play off the dribble. And I think that he spent his offseason working on that and it'll keep showing up yeah he he is definitely more willing to do it too um and yeah uh he definitely looks like he's worked on it the the dribble always looked like it was about to he was about to lose control and it was about to go out to the side but he definitely feels like on top of his dribble right now it feels more in control um and when he is dribbling to the hoop he he it just there's more momentum and power going to the rim when he's doing that um, and he's finished pretty well yeah. so far. So it's a nice nice thing to see. Did you see the Fultz chase down block? No. Was what go- quarter was it? It was a good one. I don't remember. Third, maybe? That was a good one. So I, I watched the last half of the fourth quarter and overtime live, and then I watched the rest of the game on DVR. And you do sometimes get too aggressive on DVR and go past stuff, and you're like, you know what? I'm not going back. So... I missed the chase down block. Yeah, it was good. It was a, it was a good recovery. Uh, thoughts on Mike Muscala? Did you see much of him mm-hmm. first came back? Um, yeah, hit a couple shots. Yeah, um, I'm I'm like all for the idea of Mike Muscala. So am I. I. I think the idea of Mike Muscala is good. He can shoot. He can fucking shoot, which they need. Mm-hmm. And um, if he if he is playable in other ways, then his at least playable in other ways his ability to shoot, especially at at that size is going to be something that's going to keep him um, keep him on the court. Oh, yeah. So I'm excited to see him get his wind and, and be able to play more because it it seems like to me he should be an 18 to 20 minute a game guy probably mm-hmm. once he's 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 rolling. Yeah, he played. He had a couple nice blocks, and I think that's what you know. Amir had a rough start to the season, has been inexplicably like. Frisky offensive, offensively. Well, yeah. Dunky, Dunky especially. He's had he has yeah. had four games with like two-handed power dunks, like legitimate, like high school Amir kind of, not maybe quite, but those kinds of dunks, and very impressive. He looks, uh, you know, he after Kevin O'Connor calls him out, Amir searches his name, finds it, blasts Kevin O'Connor for saying he's washed. Got to feel good about that. Got to feel good about him. He's got that little hook shot that just goes in. I don't understand how big guys do it. They're so, like, that to me is a harder shot. This like the weird, like, half herky-jerky, like, there's a guy on me and I'm, 
I can't even really see where the rim is. Then like a just a normal foul shot. Just a no one's covering you. I'm taking a foul shot calmly. But he's inexplicably better on and a lot of big guys are. The the like weird five foot hook covered draped on with a guy draped on them than like a wide open foul shot. I don't understand it, but Amir offensive guru is happening this year and I am you know, sort of delighted by it. Uh, we will talk about the uh, most coincidental best nickname in maybe the history of Sixers right after we talk about our sponsor, who doesn't have a nickname, L.L. Pavorsky, L.L. Pavorsky Jewelers. If you had to give L.L. a nickname, what would it be? Mm. I know I'm just putting you on the spot. Well, ladies' love is taken. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh, hmm. Sweet. Long. Sweet long, sweet long jewels. <laughs> sweet long jewels. Exactly. You imagine the billboard, L. L. Pavorsky Jewelers. <laughs> sweet long jewels. I think that's it. Uh, one hundred six or one hundred eight. I can't remember. Engagement rings sold to rights to Ricky Sanchez listeners by Sweet Long Jewels Pavorsky also known as L.L. Pavorsky Jewelers. It might say L.L. Pavorsky Jewelers on the sign, but it's sweet long jewels in your heart. Um, The best thing about going to L.L. Pavorsky Jewelers is that you are not going to be attacked and hounded by some salesperson that you cannot trust. No, you will be attacked and hounded by L.L. Pavorsky himself. He's right there behind the counter. Maybe his associate Jeff will be there. Jeff will buzz you in, and then LL will take good, good, good care of you with his fine, beautiful jewelry and his fantastic prices because you are rights to Ricky Sanchez, listener, and uh, and all the Sixers talk you can handle if you go in there. So if you want a engagement ring, what you got to do is make an appointment first. You don't have to, but but it is preferred so you have a better experience. 215-627-2252 is the number. He's at 707 Walnut. You can email him. Just go to llpavorsky.com. You can tweet him at sweetlongjewels, uh, at llpavorsky. Um, for every podcast, LL makes generous donations to Coded by Kids and the Providence Animal Center. LL Pavorsky Jewelers. I mean, I'm not going to waste Sweet Long Jewels. On the beginning and not at the end. Sweet Long Jewels. <laughs> Sweet Long Jewels. All right. So uh, Elton Brand was on J.J. Reddick's podcast. Uh, J.J. did mention, uh, again, that he's off of social media. I don't know if you've heard that. <laughs> but but he asks uh, – he's, he's only mentioned it a, a few times in all of his podcasts that are distributed on social media. For such a, um, for such a calm, seemingly level-headed guy – Bafflingly at the center of just many controversies, <laughs> yes. and and one of the rare guys in the NBA that has a podcast. Had he yep. not had a podcast, yes. this yep. wouldn't you know probably be as much of an issue. But he, sometimes uh, when I'm mad at him, I call him Party Boy. I don't know where it came from. I don't know if somebody said it first, but I call him Party Boy. I don't know why. Didn't he get a um, Didn't he get a DUI right before the draft? Did he? Oh, well, that's a long time ago. I can't. Yeah. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna excuse it, but I'm not gonna. That's definitely not why. Oh, and no, he I'm did not. get a DUI before the draft. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyway, that might have been so 
uh, Elton told a bunch of stories that he already told on our podcast, but I think one of the the things that uh, that stuck out to me was he asked Elton what his nicknames were, and Elton said that when he was a kid, he was called Slant uh, because of the shape of his head, but the fact that um, <laughs> he is literally a new Slant um, with, that was found by the Sixers is unbelievable um that find a new slant is the one thing that has really stuck around since the burners and his nickname is slant it is the most meaningful thing that i think has happened since the process begun and is truly truly a signal that elton brand is here to stay that's what i took from the podcast it was almost jj led with that it was yes, the like first they were setting it up it was the first part of the interview and mm -hmm. he's like but i'm gonna ask you i could ask you about all these things but i'm gonna ask you do you have a nickname and it was mm -hmm. it's there was not really a it was just jj wanting to talk about the basketball reference pages he looks at sometimes mm -hmm. uh but truly it did seem like a gift to us Although later yes. they talked about, they had sort of skirted around the Colangelo issue. They're like, unfortunate circumstances. And they're both like, yes, 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 yes. Unfortunate, so unfortunate. Yeah. Like, uh, but yeah, yeah slant, it, slant being a nickname is pretty wild. unbelievable. Yeah. <laughs> and I can assure you, well, it is my best guess that although it seems like it was on purpose and a gift to us, um, my best guess is that like there's no way Elton put two and two together there and uh do you think but, that elton read dietrich's story he had to everyone just you've worked somewhere right imagine if yeah. an article like that came out about your boss yeah yeah that's true you know that's true there's sometimes My, that like people yes you're right because it's it's his boss and like it, it's his place of employment there's sometimes when like there's a big long article out there and everyone's talking about it and I read the article about the article to be like, what's it say? Sum up, give it to me in like a couple paragraphs. So I could see that potentially being the situation, but you're absolutely right because it's his workplace. You want every juicy detail. Mm -hmm. I, there was literally nothing else I found interesting about the end. I, I like listening to it. I like listening to Elton talk. I think he's very affable, mm -hmm. but I, there wasn't anything new in there. I don't think, do you? Mm -hmm. I don't remember anything new. Uh, just that he said he would shoot threes if he was around now, but yeah. of course he would. I mean, it's yeah. it's interesting. It's it is. They sort of skated by quick. JJ was like, "Are you my boss?" And it's like, "Well, yeah, he could trade you today." And it, yes. it's, it's interesting because party boy, he's your boss. Sure, it's yeah. They you know they have this like Duke brotherhood style, and you know they I don't think they ever played in the same team, but you know Elton being a player of Brett's, like it is a it is sort of a weird thing, and they really did hammer home the idea that Josh Harris is involved in like really involved in the decision-making process and really likes, you know, what the things we heard about wanting to keep together this uh, front office structure to mm -hmm. your chagrin, chagrin uh, is, was a real factor in, in what they, what they were looking for in a GM. And maybe that's like a level of, sentimentality of like we don't want these guys to lose their jobs and to break this thing up but you know that is an is an odd 
thing to consider when we have, you know, not to do this again, but, you know, the Colangelo regime didn't rack up acquisition success, transaction successes. Um, so I, maybe they just liked him. And that's kind of admirable to be like, hey, we like these guys. They're nice. They're fun to be around. Let's keep them together. There was a, there was a funny moment where he was definitely mentioning the Maury potential hire. Yeah, yeah. He didn't name him, but the, you know that they mentioned that it was a possibility that they would get this big name, mm-hmm. and his reaction was basically, "Well, if you can get him, you should do that." Mm-hmm. You know, I'll I'll go home. So, um, I wanted to get to some Twitter questions. Um, this is certainly self-serving to uh, do a couple of around the league with Ishmith uh, questions, but well, let's do around the league with Ishmith before we get to the the obviously self-serving ones. So every game now is like 135 to 130. There was definitely, you know, they mentioned during the preseason they were calling it tighter. There were a bunch of things that they weren't going to allow players to do defensively uh, that was going to make scoring um, easier. And, you know, just like every other, or certainly like football, they they've, there are certainly more points being scored. Um, how do you... I sort of felt like we weren't in a bad place with defense, like that there were enough points. I don't know that I need every game. I don't need it to be like the 70s and have every game be, you know, uh, 150 to 144. It does feel a little crazy when I look at the box scores every morning. Well, so there's a – so Fred Katz, who's a Wizards beat writer for The Athletic, uh, tweeted today, the seven seconds or less, 0405 Suns, Famously played at the fastest pace in the NBA that season, 97.37 possessions per game. Today, that okay. figure would be good for last in the NBA. Wow. A full possession behind the Spurs, who currently rank 30th. So that's what it is. Wow. I mean, teams are just playing yeah. faster. Everyone in the league is playing faster. And obviously, with uh, geared towards threes and shots at the rim, which is more efficient, and getting fouled, which stops the clock and is more efficient. So, I mean, it's... To me, it's not, oh, nobody's playing defense anymore. You know, it's just, you know, the rookie-sophomore game. It's just there's, well, more, it there's is, more possessions. So well, there's no, more no, opportunities no. I, to make shots. I, and score I, would, I would challenge that in saying that when they, if they make it harder to play defense, it is easier to get a shot off, which means you can get a shot off quicker, which means more possessions. Like, I don't, I don't think it's totally... Nobody's playing defense. And I, I do believe that they're trying to play defense, but it is harder to play defense without fouling. So if if it's harder to play defense, it's going to be easier to get a shot, which means they're going to get a shot, a shot sooner. So I don't think it's just that everyone's running and getting shots off quicker all the time. I, I do think that the ability to play defense plays into that. Yeah, sort of. I mean, I think two things. One, you know, this year specifically, the shot clock now going to 14 after an offensive rebound yeah. will again add more possessions to the game and, and add more points to the game. Uh, but something that JJ and Elton talked about was JJ would mention like, you know, it's harder to play defense now because of, you know, the legal defense rules back in the day. And uh, there's another thing he said, I forget, but then he could hand check. And so there was some physicality there that you could, so it's, it's a, it's a mix of, it's a mix of things. Yeah. Um, uh, I don't. It, I don't. Bo- it doesn't bother me. I. I sort of. I wish that teams sort of played different styles. It seems sort of seems like we're in the post Warriors world where everyone's kind of playing the same style, uh, or trying to. 
I saw the Sixers last year were so interesting because they didn't run the the kinds of spread pick and roll stuff. There was so much movement that that just made the team look different and unique. Um, so I would like I would love if there was a team that like was the '90s Knicks that were just like we're gonna fucking beat the shit out of you and grind it out and play ugly and all that stuff. Um, Seventy four to sixty. Yeah, there's like one. The yeah, one, score, so yeah. if there if there's like if there is a game in the '70s and a game in the '130s in the same day, that's like just a funny thing. Um, but yeah, I think I think it generally lends itself to more uh, pleasing basketball, and also the fact that there are now instead of having two like plotting big men like the 01 Sixers started Tyrone Hill and Matt Geiger, well, and I guess Matumbo, but like there were guys that couldn't really stretch the floor, weren't really dynamic playmakers on offense. There are now more of those guys, wing types that can do more things, multiple ball handlers, blah, blah, blah. So there's just more efficient and effective players on the court since they're not just populating the game with tall guys for the sake of having tall guys, which the past kind of had. Yeah, that's true too. There, there were, and Elton mentioned that actually in his podcast about all the tall guys, how there were like three plotting guys mm-hmm. per team. You know, and El- Elton would be a small ball five today. Absolutely, he would. He'd be a good one. He would be, He'd a good be very one. Uh, dr- better than Draymond. I do wonder right. if his, you know, it t- he would have to change his shot because he, he had such a weird release that just wouldn't get enough legs under it. It feels like his arm, yeah. like his arm had always had a weird. Sort of released in this point. More with his wrists, yeah. sort of. It was like at the top, but he right. was trying to get, in a lot of ways, I think he was trying to get the use out exactly. of his wingspan. So, um, quick tweet from a SB, Addy Joseph. Is that SB Nation? Is he an SB Nation writer? I'm not sure. Uh, um, a lot of smart people and me are going to argue that Paul Millsap oh, and Al Horford. Paul Millsap and Al Horford should be in consideration for the Hall of Fame when they retire in 2023. And a lot of other people are going to be very mad. So right. on one level, I'm gonna, I, res- I'm gonna give I respect... You, I'm going to give you 90 seconds. Okay. That's all I need. That's all I need. Okay. On one level, I respect the take. You're pointing out that it's going to make me mad, and it did make me mad, even though you said it was going to make me mad. I give credit to that well-constructed take. On the other end... If you think Paul Millsap, and this isn't even like my anti-Paul Millsap thing, if you think Paul Millsap is the level of player that should be in the Hall of Fame, then you're going to fucking ruin the Hall of Fame. (laughs) That's not, the Hall of Fame is not for guys that were pretty good for a while. Like, he didn't even be pretty good for 25 years and like compile a bunch of stats that made it impressive. He's just been like pretty good for 10 years. Like, shut up. Uh, smart people are going to argue for it. Fuck off. Like, like, did we just, a couple years ago, have to have a whole debate about whether Tracy McGrady ended, deserved to be in the Hall of Fame, who was like one of the five best players in all of the sport for a, a time. But now we're thinking maybe Paul Millsap needs to be in the Hall of Fame. Jesus Christ, that's not what the Hall of Fame is for. It's not for guys like Paul Millsap. Yes, if he exists, I'm sure he's a, a fine player that is a plus to have on any team. He's not a Hall of Famer. Shut up, smart people in me. Fuck off. Okay, and, that was your 90 seconds. Okay, and then the other thing is I truly believe watching between the offseason, and I, I don't know if you can comment on this, 
but between the offseason the Lakers had after they got LeBron and him canoodling with Chris Paul after Chris Paul tried to fight half of his team. Thank fucking God LeBron James is not on the 76ers. That's all I will say. Like, I, I just want you to step back if you're a listener right now and understand that in one offseason, the team that just signed the supposed best player in the world signed Lance Stevenson, Rajon Rondo, JaVale McGee, and Michael Beasley. Superstars do not want to go play with this guy. He is at the end of his prime. He's probably post-prime right now. He decided to throw away a year at 34 years old. The guy does not care about being great. He just cares about being remembered as being great. He is not the best player of all time. He might be second, but he is not. And anyone that tells you that in one game they would rather have LeBron James over Michael Jordan is batshit fucking crazy. And here's the last thing I will say. We are minutes away, simply minutes away from an Instagram post burying a unsuspecting co-Laker or a coach. It's just we're just moments away from some passive aggressive bullshit where Kyle Kuzma gets leveled out of nowhere because he is too scared to go after Rondo. So he will go after fucking Dunleavy or 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 Kuzma or he's probably scared of ball too because his dad will unleash on him. I'm just thank God that guy's not on the team. He's a very great player, but he doesn't care anymore. And he signed Lance Stevenson. All right. That, that doesn't care about winning. It's just he doesn't. He doesn't. That's he doesn't. Just not true. He doesn't. And and here's here's a fact, man. The fact is is that he is not that good in the clutch, and we all know it. And he is a great player, and it overcame his lack of clutchness. But we know he's not. No clutch player would do what he did against the Mavericks or do what he did against the Celtics. We all know it deep down. Deep down, we all fucking know it. We know it. We know it. We know it. Cares about being remembered for being great more than he cares about being great. And that is the truth. We all know it. And I feel like I had the wool pulled over my eyes for a decade defending that fucking guy. That's all I'm saying. Now I'm done. I'm I'm just going to choose not to respond. And it's not because I work with the guy. It's it's because I just don't want to get in this argument with you. That I genuinely, that is why, that is why I'm just going to be like, let's move on to other Twitter questions. Okay. Twitter questions. This one comes from Anthony. Is everyone on the team off limits now? Covington, Dario, TJ, Brett, and Elton have all been on the pod. Mm-hmm. And Bede never has. Ben is Mike's boss. Um, not boss. Fultz. Coworker. <laughs> Fultz. Fultz, not yet, question mark. Shamit looks like Spike. Amir roasted the band KOC. Mm-hmm. Are all losses just Franklin's fault? <laughs> That's a really, it is a, a great tweet. I don't know if it's a question we can even answer, but it's a great tweet. I think it's pretty solid um, and a good point in proving how big hacks we are. But yep. I will say, and this is maybe something that you don't agree with, I don't know, but like, I think the team's just really fun. They're a fun team with a bunch of good guys, an interesting style of play, and a good coach, and just like a fun all around. In spite of the fuckface ownership group, it's like they're they're just a fun bunch of guys. And there's no, you know, Embiid is, I think, to a lot of people, a cartoon villain, but he's also incredibly talented and good, and I'm glad that he's on our side and not somebody else's. I do wonder, would I like him 
if he was on somebody else's team? I think I probably still would. Oh, we would secretly, but we would also hate him if he was on like the Celtics or yeah. uh, or a rival. If he was on a rival, he would be also easy to hate. Yeah, I wonder. Yeah. I don't know because the missing two years stuff. I don't know. I wonder how you know. I felt that so deeply when it was happening, and I I don't know if I can like sort of dissociate myself with like would other fan bases understand well, like you know portland probably does because of what they went through with odin but like would other fan bases like understand like how how much we had to go through in those two years with him as he's like you know suffering all these well we we do have we do have it would seems like a i heard from a pistons fan today another celtics fan today who listened to the pod we do have a good bit of people who listen to the pod who are not sixers fans so we can just throw that question out there about what they think of Embiid, because uh, i'm curious um rice ricky sanchez at gmail.com if you're not a sixers fan um from from tim if you could only keep better joel going forward who would it be and why <laughs> um so it is harder than I want it to be. Um, the 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 way the NBA is makes it a little bit harder, and health makes it a little bit harder. Sure. But I, I still think that we have seen more glimpses of top five player in the NBA out of Embiid than we have out of Simmons, and um, and I love Embiid more. But I I would I would pick Embiid just because. I feel like that level of player is more clearly within his grasp than it is with Ben. Mm-hmm. Not that it's impossible with Ben, but but it's closer with Embiid. I wonder, like, it is interesting calculus. Like, how much does the mm-hmm. injury stuff play into it and how much does the, like, can you win a title with a back-to-the-basket big man, primarily, mm-hmm. uh, dominating a lot of your possessions? Um, but then you turn around on Simmons and you worry about the jump shot. Um, so just think they're both just very unique, interesting players. And we've obviously talked about it a lot of how you can work those guys into playing well together and, and being a, you know, making each other better and making the team better. Um, I'm glad we don't have to choose. That's pretty much it. Um, this came from a couple of people. Uh, th- this this one is from the fumble, and it was it was worded differently. Let's let's take the well. He goes trade for Kemba Walker if Fultz doesn't work, or how do you feel about signing him in the off season? Interesting. So I've I, never I have this uh, I have this I've had this uh, trade proposal on in my uh, Ricky file for weeks now. Oh, really? Well, so Kemba's I've I've always thought he's overrated, and I think he's like a like I like. We've all always him and Lillard are in a, a similar sort of mm-hmm. place. I like Lillard better um, because I just think Lillard's a better offensive player. I trust him more. Um, but it does sort of seem like Kemba on an expiring is would sort of he is a little too ball dominant-y, uh given the construction of the roster. But he does he can get you buckets. Uh, he is a, a willing defender. Um, he's a, a good player and, you know, I wouldn't want him at the deadline because I'd almost want more time to play with him, but it is an interesting fit. It does sort of feel like a, um, it does feel like an interesting guy yeah. at this point. If you, so I've, I've looked at this. What is the trade? I've looked at this a lot. The, my, the trade proposal would be like Fultz and Bayless and like maybe the 
Sixers first of this year or something for Kemba and Lamb to mm-hmm. sort of bolster the wing defense and stuff. Kemba's last three years, I think I totally agree with you that Kemba was overrated earlier in his career. But the last three years, he's become such an a legitimately very good three point shooter on a lot of attempts, and mm-hmm. that opens things up for him so much. Um, and, and What's he of, shooting the last few years? I think it's like thirty eight percent over the last three years total. Um, yeah, on, that's good. And that's better than I it's thought. better than Dame on on yeah. a similar amount of attempts. The only thing Dame does better offensively than Kemba is get to the line pretty significantly more, um, and have I probably better teammates to pass to in Portland, at least CJ. I don't know. Maybe it's close. Well, but it does. It does seem like Kemba's move is dribble, 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 like off balance jumper mm-hmm. more than Dame is. Dame definitely attacks the rim more than Kemba. That's probably is, true. Yeah. You know. Um, yeah. I I I like the idea of a Kemba Simmons Embiid core. Um, I just think that gives you the kind of balance that you would want. That you're hoping that Fultz gives you. Um, Kemba obviously on a more current timeline than Fultz is. Uh, yeah, I think Ke- I think Kemba could age into like you know current Kyle Lowry, right? Which is basically a lot of a lot, what Kyle Lowry is going to do now is most of the time let Kawhi operate and sort of be a floor general, but also have some like Chauncey Billups to him where he's just like stepping into open threes. Is Kemba Walker twenty eight mm-hmm. or twenty nine? Yeah, like that? Mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, and he's good, and he plays hard, and he's been in Charlotte for fucking ever, and uh, he doesn't have because they haven't made the playoffs that much. Uh, he hasn't played into too many uh, springs and summers. Um, I think it's interesting. I think it's an interesting proposition. If you're if you're if your look is if you look at the situation and say we don't we don't have time to wait for faults based on Embiid's injury history, uh, Simmons and Embiid contract stuff, getting another guy, whatever. And I think you could look at, you know, this this if, if Charlotte doesn't isn't like blowing the doors off people by December or January, exploring this as an option. And if if Fultz ups his trade value and still doesn't seem like he's on the timeline of like what we want with the doors open now, but mm-hmm. I'm sure a lot of people would immediately rebuff that because you know. Fultz still has a ton, a ton of potential, but Kemba's a really good player. Kemba's not just settling for. If, if Fultz becomes Kemba, then like, you're very happy. Like you're very happy. That's that. You're just very happy if he becomes Kemba now. So he's younger, so you have more time with him. But I don't know. The door's open now. I would certainly explore it. Um, also, the idea of getting Jeremy Lamb to bolster the wing rotation. He's a solid bench player in his own right. So. Um, uh, I I don't think I don't think more. MJ ever no. sorry the, I don't think MJ trades for yeah. faults that that would be I think he just unless like, unless we get like here's what I'll say if we end up well and remember it's it's Kemba on an expiring and, and Lamb on so, an expiring both of them yeah the the thing about faults is that you're probably not trading him unless we're feeling much better about faults like that's the mm-hmm. the sort of weird part about it and that's what we would have to. That the cross we would have to bear at that point, and I and I do feel better um, about Fultz now than I have, maybe since they drafted him. Uh, one game, it's all took, one half even, <laughs> one shot. Yep. Uh, this is from Marty. Who would? So, uh, God bless Marty. So Marty Teller, great dude, regular listener, gets 
fixated on like guys like this is one of my favorite things. So he's become fixated on Jonathan Simmons, who I think is like a, a definitely a, a good player, but we don't know he's available. We don't. So he says, so this question is just an excuse to mention Jonathan Simmons. Who would be your number one target as a buyout expiring contract trade deadline guy? I don't fucking know. Who, who's going to get bought out? I think, I think, Jonathan, I think Ariza is pretty, pretty, uh, could be one of them. Yeah. Uh, Jonathan Simmons only has a $1 million guarantee for next year. So I say he qualifies. He would be my choice. Who are yours? Um, yeah, a reason you're going to have to trade for, though. He mm-hmm. won't be a buyout. Probably yeah. not, yeah. So, I would say Justin Holiday, and, maybe. Uh, yeah. I looked at, I looked at this but, uh, the other day because of when I was tweeting about uh, just hearing too many people say how much the Sixers are going to miss Bellinelli and Ayasova. I just like, uh, yeah. I just can't. Just can't deal with it. I just can't deal with it. They got them in February of last year. They were a good team when they got yep. them. They played bad teams after they got them. They hit some shots. They fucked up on defense. They're not the reason the Sixers won or lost last year. They were just guys. You can replace those guys with so many people for so cheap all the time. Mm-hmm. And, by, and by the way, like, and I, I would even posit that they will they will miss Ilyasova, but like Bellinelli like did play like horseshit in the playoffs. Like I don't, mm-hmm. you know, Bell. We got we got a good the timing of Bellinelli. You know, it's sort of like a guy that plays eighteen minutes, and you can't just say, well, if he plays thirty six minutes, he'll get twice as many stats. Uh-huh. Like a full season of Bellinelli may have been a much different experience than our twenty one games sure. of Bellinelli. The the thing that Bellinelli gave us, which is truly irreplaceable is the confetti game. And yes. as much as that did hurt to lose yeah. that game, it was still one of the funniest things that's ever happened. Yep. I would agree. Definitely agree. And it, by the way, if we never win a championship, we'll be one of the most painful games in history. It'll be like the Donovan throw up thing. Sure. Um, not, not quite yeah. because the, you know, the warriors were waiting for us on the other end, but, uh, the, the, uh, the, the confetti game is one thing that, Amidst all the other insane things that happened involving the Sixers on a daily basis, I would add this to Zaire's allergy surgery in we just yeah. we don't have time to talk about it. Like the burners yeah. hiring Elton, Hinky, uh, you know, Fultz's jumper, all of it, every single thing. You know, the Bellinelli confetti game is is just gonna get washed away with the sands of time. It's too many things. <laughs> Uh, two more. Um, this is from Ryan with Simmons possibly out for a while. Did the Sixers finally bring back Tony Roten? Um, I, I I don't think he's going to be out a while, right? No, I don't think so either. And I was kind of assured recently that they will not be bringing back Tony Roten. I did put in a request. (laughs) You want another guy that can't shoot? I would love Tony Roten, sure. whether he can't shoot or not. Sure. At least he believes he can shoot. Uh, is, uh, this is from EMDMN. Is Spike aware of his bias against Colangelo era p- players versus Hinky era ones? Or is it subconscious? I think you're aware. Are you new? I think you're pretty aware. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And finally, from Justin Anderson fan account, which sixer would you most want to date your daughter? And which one would you least want to date your daughter? Hmm. I have a daughter. Yeah, that'd be surprising. 
That'd be the biggest yeah. shock in this. Mm-hmm. Justin Anderson would be up there. Well, but he's not a sixer. Sure, they always they always are though, the ones that left. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Shamit seems like a nice man. I don't love that he looks like you. That'd be tough. <laughs> My wife says that he does not look like me at all. Your wife, and I your said, wife Val, is wrong. I said if it was one person that said it looked like me, it would be one thing. But everybody literally says yeah. it. So, um, hmm. I would again. Rashawn seems like an, another nice man. That would be. Seems like he treats his wife nicely. Also, not a sixer. Uh, <laughs> close enough. Um, yeah, feels like good enough. Hold on a second. I gotta open the door. All right. Okay. One second. We'll keep going. La da da. I'm vamping. I'm vamping right now. Here I am, vamping, vamping, I'm vamping, maybe you're back, maybe you're not. Sorry, there was a moth on the door. I was vamping, I was vamping. You're going to cut that though, right? uh, Yeah, I'll probably cut most of it. Um, All right, so to date your daughter, you've pitched a bunch of guys that are not sixers (laughs) That seems fine, I don't see a problem with that. Uh, I you know I, I love I love TJ to death, but I've seen him not care enough about his honeymoon uh, to want him dating my daughter um, at the live pod. Covington seems like a nice. Of course, I'm picking Covington. Yeah, Hang wow. On. I can't answer this. And I, hooked up with Jay Crowder's wife. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> Corkma's nice. Zaire seems nice. Yeah, Zaire does. Dario nice. obviously very nice. Bayless, Z- learned. If, if Zaire dated my daughter and they had a kid, I could have a grandchild that looked like John Starks. That's, that's a, a win that's for good. me. Shake Milton, uh, yeah. I like. Who did yeah. I not like? Probably Embiid. <laughs> I forgot. I forgot Shake Milton. Yeah, Embiid's too a little too out there. I think I wouldn't right want now. my daughter dating a a top twenty five NBA player. So I will say not nah. Embiid. Center. Like you could dating like a, a two way guy. Maybe two way guys too much to scrap. Like. Like a eighth eighth guy in the rotation type, so yeah, the Shamit Korkmaz era in that in that world. All right, we will talk to you this weekend. This weekend's pod will be on Sunday rather than Saturday. We'll be recording it during the Eagles London game, so uh, we'll do play by play during the pod and also talk about the Sixers. Perfect. How about the Celtics uh, being bad? But, Love it. Fuck them. Uh, yeah. I wouldn't count on it staying that way, but I like it that way now. Uh, what's Tatum shooting? 30% from three? Evening out. Trash. Definitely regressing to the regressing. trash. Total trash. Uh, Bucks tomorrow night. Uh, they suck. Would love to beat the Bucks. Would love to beat the Bucks. All right. We'll talk to you this weekend. Are you done with TTP? Yeah, you know like face. We are the murderers there. That with the jail and we murdered the murderers there. Then with the hell and discovered the devil delivered some hurt and despair. Used to have power to push. Now I smoke pounds of the push. Holy, I'm burning the bush. Now I give a fuck about none of this shit. Two runner over and out of this bitch. Step into the spotlight. Fuck
Uppers and downers get done. I'm in a rush to be numb. Dropping a thousand ain't much. Pumping the clouds on a missile to turn.